Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, Bruno. How are you today? Wait a minute. I think I have to give you permission. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Can you start over? Yes. Hi, Bruno. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Tricia. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being um, for here. All so, the way from, so far away. <laughs> from Portugal, right? This is so yeah, exciting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. This this it's uh, it's night here actually, which it's, it's already it's already in we're already in the dark. Uh let me just stop you for a minute because um I'm here in Portugal, picturesque. I have a, a church just the other side of the of the of the street. And the bell is just ringing. <laughs> so let's wait for the bell because it's six o'clock, right? <laughs> and um, and uh, so here I am. It sounds like a beautiful sound to hear every hour. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Thankfully, they stop at night so, so that we can sweep. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> I love that you chose today to do your interview. Can you tell me a little bit about why you chose today? Well, uh, it, it, it's uh, in Portugal, it's the Day of Kings. Uh, so it, it's, it's, uh, the tradition says that's when the, the, the mage kings arrived at, at uh, Jesus' side. And in, in Spain, they usually, they usually uh, give presents uh, in this day and not the Christmas day. They wait until today. In, in Portugal, no. But we 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 usually eat what we call um, the, the king's cake, which is which is uh, with with a lots of uh, of um, of fruits and and it's it's a little bit like a a, um, a special uh, um, English English cake style thing and we eat it today and and usually uh, this is the day where when uh, people start uh, um, start uh, packing packaging everything that they used in Christmas like the Christmas uh, tree the, the 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 small figurines of, of the of the of the 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 born child things like that we it's so today is the end of Christmas here. Basically. That's a nice long season. Yeah. My yes, husband, it is. Yes. Yeah, my husband let me keep up our decorations longer, so my tree is actually still up as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually, they have an, an interesting, uh, an interesting tradition, not tradition, an interesting new custom in in uh, in Czech Republic and, and Germany, which is they give they give um, the Christmas trees to the animals in the zoo. So they have an, a, a new celebration right now, just eating the, all the pine trees that that uh, that are left from Christmas. 
That's such a good idea. I think I have heard of that before. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, I see so. Well, let's jump in and talk about your books. You sure, are a sure. sci-fi fantasy author, correct? Correct. More sci-fi than fantasy, actually. Um, even though uh, this one that you can always, it's LX9, you can only get it in Portuguese still. It's it's actually um, sci-fi, but with with the with a fantasy structure. So it's a, a, a commander from the 22nd uh, um, century that, that goes into space and gets to a to a, a new earth where where people are in the Middle Ages. So everything just turns out like a like a, a fantasy book. It's also sci-fi, oh, okay. basically sci-fi. So uh, I write more sci-fi nowadays than, than, than fantasy, but I do write fantasy uh, uh, now and then. Okay. Well, tell me about all your books in your series. Well, um, this uh, Alex Nine was my first trilogy in sci-fi because before I, I used to just write realistic fiction uh, um, for for many years. I just wrote realistic fiction, um, and and then I started with with sci-fi with Alex Nine. It's still just in Portuguese, but then I jumped into the international market, and I I published two other series. First, another trilogy called the Dark Sea War Chronicles. Which is the story of, of Bill Ordido, a young a young uh, navy officer from the Weber Space Navy, navy, and who goes to war. And it's a little bit like the Battle of the Atlantic, but in space. So you have uh, like invisible ships that are like submarines, and and you have convoys of and, and things like that. And it's a, a, a space fleet opera, something like that. And um, and it's it's uh, I like it a lot. It, it, it's I translated I wrote it in English and then translated it into Portuguese. The Portuguese version actually won an award, uh, the 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 Amistor Great Award for for sci-fi and, and and fantasy, which is one of the the best awards in Portugal for this genre. Um, and now I launched the, I, I I launched War on the Shadow King, which uh, I, I launched I recently launched the um, the the second volume. It was a mini series. I actually stopped. I, 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 the first volume was was written two or three years ago, but I have a couple of projects. I, I was hired to to write a few a few episodes for TV and things like that, and I had to stop. And um, but but then I I came back. I I just published recently in November the second volume, and I'm going I'm going to launch at the end of this this. Uh, January 28th, I'm going to launch a box set of the, of the miniseries, which War of the Shadow King is a two-part miniseries. And War of the Shadow King is a post-apocalyptic novel. It's it's the story of of, uh, of the, the little girl, Laura, uh, who, um, who has some strange powers that I'm not going to tell you about. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. No. And uh, she's uh, she's fleeing from her captors with her her mother, Maria, and um, they go they cross southern Spain into into southern Portugal, uh, where they will find JJ Berger and the Shadow Team. 
basically in this in this story uh, there were a couple of pandemics this was before the the, the covid-19 so <laughs> we actually know a lot more about pandemics today but uh, but there was a, a, a couple of pandemics civilization just retreated to uh, um to cold places and to islands uh, uh, in the atlantic and and mediterranean sea and, and pacific and uh, people just get like, they get like psychotic animals. It's a little bit like zombies, but not really zombies, basically. Uh, but that's not the story. The real story is about the people. It's about how JJ Berger connects with Laura, how they develop a relationship. Uh, and you're talking about a grown man with uh, 20 something 30s with a, with a, a small six year old. And and they have to they have to uh, face a, a daunting enemy, which uh, I'm I'm going to spoil it a little bit, which is uh, um, Russian forces that went through through Europe and are now in Spain and trying to invade everything. Um, and so uh, and these are some Dmitry Rostov, which is the the the, the Russian the Russian colonel. Is actually one of the nastiest, nastiest uh, villains I ever wrote. <laughs> he's really, really cruel uh, because he's in, he's empowered. He has nobody to to to. Um, uh, he's he's in he's in a place where nobody gives him orders, basically, and he's he's in a post-apocalyptic world where he can do almost anything, and that actually sent him into a a, a very dark place. And and so they have to face that, <laughs> and 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 an army. And it, I think I, I like it a lot. It's is full of action, and uh, I'm very militaristic in my writing, and um, and uh, I hope people like it. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. I that's interesting that you wrote about like a series of pandemics, and now it's you're after that time. I have a yeah. I have a similar book. My characters are set when a second wave of a pandemic hits about I guess it's a generation after the first one, but the world has also experienced climate change. So the whole right. the whole globe is warmed and they have those challenges as well, right. but they all have right. like coalesced into the northern part to escape the heat um of the planet. I bet, so, I bet you didn't I bet I bet you didn't guess all that running after toilet paper thing, did you? <laughs> I, I did not. <laughs> I did not guess that one. No, I published the book in 2019, so it was the year before okay. the pandemic. And eerily, yeah. I even in the book, there's a plot that the Chinese started the pandemic, which you know, oh, okay. kind of came around <laughs> as a rumor at the beginning of COVID. Um, so yeah, it was very eerie. But I, it sounds like you have running themes of war and surviving war in your books. Can you, yes. and yes, I have I a do. little background on this question, but I'd really like to hear about your experience and how that influenced your writing. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm always interested in the fact that in war, you can see the worst and the best of humankind. You can see uh, uh, people really um, running wild with 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 power and with cruelty and all kinds of uh, incredible hard and painful things but you can also see some heroism some people taking care of each other people just just uh, 
doing absolutely incredible things. And this always um, interested me. Uh, it, it seemed like the pinnacle of humanity. Uh, also, my parents were at war. Uh, the, my, my, my father was a captain in engineering in the colonial, colonial wars in Portuguese, Portuguese empire. Um, so in, in Guinea. And um, as he was a captain, my mother was allowed to go with him. So they were at war, basically. And uh, um, that always, always uh, interested me as well, even though they, they have a few stories, but never talked a lot about it. Um, and then I have the, the other story that, that, that uh, you know about, which is exactly because of that, because all these uh, scenarios interest me in this. I, I, I wanted to know more. I was invited to go to, to Sarajevo in, in 1998, just a few years after the, the Civil War, to uh, as a writer. I was to represent my country in, as they were preparing for a biannual fair of, 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 uh, of creative, uh, creative uh, young creators in, in Sarajevo. And, and they, they took a few people there to, to, to prepare. Um, and I was there for three weeks. And it was a very intense experience for me, even though I wasn't in the war, but it was very close to a very, very nasty war. Sarajevo is a, is a, is placed in a valley with, with steep, uh, steep mountains on one side and the other. And at the bottom of the valley, you have, you have a, a, um, a, a narrow river with, with, I don't know, five or six different bridges. And during the war, you could not cross the bridges. So the, 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 the valley actually was divided in two because if you try to cross the bridge, you, you're gonna be shot by snipers. That was as simple as that. So for, for two or three years, people didn't see their families even though they were a mile away. Um, children couldn't, couldn't play outside unless it was foggy because only in the fog they could, they could actually be outside and not being shot. So it was really, really hard. When I got there, there's still um, bullet holes in every single wall. You can see bullet holes in every single wall. And um, there's still a part of town who was, which was, um, we had no windows because every single window was, was broken uh, during the war. And what you had was, um, was plastic with the UN symbol on it. In every in every window in every hole to just to as win as if there were windows, and the other the other two thirds of the of the of the town there were there were actually um, new windows. You still had you still had spots in the city where where you had fences because there were still mines in there, <laughs> so oh. you you couldn't go there. And and um, and people were very. Uh, it, it was very safe, actually. It was really safe because uh, you had uh, U.S. Apache helicopters over your head. In every corner, you have a, a, an Italian paratrooper or an Ukrainian paratrooper, and you really felt safe. There was no crime going on there. <laughs> but uh, but it was um, it was intense. Um, Many people from the group, we were about 100, 100 artists from all over the, the Mediterranean area, for Italian, French, Spanish, um, Palestinians, Israelis, uh, you had. And uh, um, 
and many of the people, about 30 or 40 people, just left after a week. They couldn't handle it. Um, and when I was there for, for three weeks, I, I, um, I got to know a few Bosnians. And uh, it was, uh, and I, I, I wanted to go to Belgrade, so, but, but uh, when I, the day I, I decided to go to Belgrade, the day before, uh, Bill Clinton just bombed Kosovo, so it was impossible to go. <laughs> and and I, I got a, an official from from the embassy, the Portuguese embassy, coming and saying, "No, you're not going." <laughs> and I, damn, <laughs> we want to know where you are at all times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so it was it was really intense. I, I have to shut up about it because I won't stop unless unless I I consciously do it. That does sound very tense. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. I know um, the closest thing I could think um, over 9-11, we were in Germany, me and my husband were on vacation in Germany and we, our flight was fortunately scheduled the first day they allowed international flights back to the US. Um, and we went to the airport and it was the same experience. I felt very safe, but it was because there were army people with guns walking the halls yeah. and we waited in line for a really long time and they took everything away from us. I had a um, fingernail clippers and tweezers that they took away from, I, mean, I didn't care at that point, of course, but yeah, um, yeah, it was a very surreal experience and I can imagine living for three weeks like that um, yeah. would yeah. be very tense. Well, it I I really enjoy it because I I got to understand I have I have a book a small book like a um, uh, what do you say a travel memory or something or some kind that I want to publish I'm probably going to publish in a year or two I I, I, I it, it, it this was 25 years and I still haven't had the heart to publish it but I think I'm going to do it in a year or two um, uh, yeah it was and and the thing is. Uh, I was I was I was going down the streets with a Bosnian friend, a Muslim Bosnian friend, and suddenly he he turns he turns to me and says, "Yeah, you see that guy coming? They say that guy just started a war, because that started as a gang war, basically, and that became became so all the people that were doing the war, the Serbs, the Muslim, the the the, the other Bosnians, they are still there, wow. <laughs> and you could feel that if you Took the 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 UN the UN uh, uh, personnel from from Sarajevo that could start in a flash again, and I'm I'm telling you this because right now I'm I'm hearing a few um, news that 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 the, it's beginning to become tense again in in Bosnia. It's very possible that the Serbs in Bosnia want the independence, and that could get really really nasty again, and um, it's horrifying. It's really that horrifying. Is, that is horrifying. And also, the other thing I was really interested to hear is that you have so many accolades for your book. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you mean I noticed that you won several awards. You were talking about being yep. um, winning yep. one of the awards from the port, uh, the Portuguese government. Is it a government yes. agency that? Can you talk about well, that? Uh, yeah, I, it's not. Uh, I don't think it was a government agency. In um, many years ago, 
um, there was a uh, there was a an European a pan European uh, organization basically that uh, that uh, um, that just tried to uh, inspire and and support um, young artists and young creators all over the the, the, the Mediterranean area. And so they had they had a, a big biannual fair um, where there were I think fifteen categories from cooking to uh, dancing to uh, movies to uh, all kinds of things you know architecture uh, um, plastic arts uh, whatever you know and and um, and each country had their own contest. Uh, to uh, to select the few that were going to represent the country in that in that big uh, uh, international fair, and the first time I I, I tried was in '94. I won a, an honorable mention. I didn't win the the, the 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 selection, but I won it two years later with a with a, a short story called Minesweeper, and this was at the time one of the one of the best, if not the really best, uh, uh, young writers uh, um, award in Portugal. You didn't have any more. It, it was it was very wide. Many people tried it, and you actually you have a generation uh, of much better writers than I am that are that are considered now the the the, the generation of writers in Portugal, like Zéuis uh, Peixoto, like João Tordo like uh, uh, José Mario Silva, people you won't know, but anybody in Portugal will. And uh, so I won that award and I went to the Biennial Fair in Torino. And then I was, uh, uh, which, which I had a very interesting experience because you leave, you leave, um, uh, you live here in a, in a plane with a uh, hundred other Portuguese artists and you have uh, painters and sculptures and architects and and dancers and musicians and everything and suddenly you you, sh you get there and you're separated and, and you go into the the group of writers and you find out that you have a lot more in common with other writers of other countries that you, you have with the other artists of your nationality and that that was so enlightening because it, it was like we were were a small family already when we met uh, I got I got to 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 um, to know a lot of people. Uh, most of them I have uh, lost contact, but but uh, I still I still uh, um, contact one or two from time to time, and uh, that led me to the they they um, they then uh, invited me to go to to Sarajevo and and to Rome to to prepare the, those biennial fairs as well, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Well, it really seems like writing has given you many amazing experiences and opportunities. Oh, you! I, I'm still just starting. <laughs> you wouldn't know. I then if let me. What if I start telling you about my 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 adventures in movie writing and TV writing? <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it was really, really another another adventure altogether. <laughs> and I agree with you that because through doing these podcasts, I meet so many authors and I tend to hit it off with all of them <laughs> because yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. this unique thing about writing and creating stories and plots and characters that 
is definitely different from other arts, and I'm sure people in other yeah. arts feel that way as well. And that's the and there's that, yeah, I, I'm sure as well. But then there's that thing which is, uh, and unless people try it and start writing, people don't really understand what it is, how it works. It's a lot, a lot more difficult than than than, than people think. There's a lot of more, a lot more crazy things going on before before the story is is told, and and only really writers understand fully what what we're talking about. Right. Yeah, I was talking with a woman this morning and we were talking about how, you know, your characters are still talking to you in your head as you're going about your day. And if you're driving in your car or you're doing your laundry or whatever it is, your characters exactly. are still up there. and You're still formulating that plot and story yeah. in your mind. Yeah, and things like characters just just gain their own initiatives and they gain their own and they do what they want. They don't really do what you want. People don't really understand that, but it, it actually happens when when characters start making their own decisions. You're in trouble. <laughs> but, yes. but as well, but but you done something right as well because that means they're realistic enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had an evil character who was supposed to be the bad guy and pretending to be a good guy, and then I I don't know. I liked him so much, and he just wrote himself into <laughs> being a good guy, and then he got his own book somehow. <laughs> How <did> wow. that <laughs> he was really Machiavellian then. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite questions to ask authors is what you want your readers to take away from reading your books. Okay. Um, I have, when I... When I started writing, I started writing when I was 12, something like that. And very soon I began to understand something, some of the things we were talking about just now, that it's not as, as easy as it seems. And I started to um, to teach myself. And I started doing short stories just to learn a lot of short stories. And then uh, I decided I, I couldn't develop the characters well enough. So I, I, I went to novellas. And then I and then I I finally tried novels when I was 25 or 26, something like that. And I have I think four novels that will never never see the light of day, which were which didn't work. And um, and then I had 10 years where I couldn't really write anything good enough. I only started to write. Uh, things that were good enough that I feel really good about when I found my voice. And what is that of finding, finding your voice? Is when you you start finding out what you want to say, what you really, really want to say inside. And that's what I do today. Every time I, I start a story, every time I start a novel, one of the first things, or I wouldn't say the first first things, but one of the things that I have to understand early in the process is what is the message that I'm trying to convey? What is this about? What is the story about? And so I, I understood that Alex Nine was about family and how if, even when you cannot have a natural family, you can build yourself your family. And, and then the Dark Sea War Chronicles were about sacrifice and resilience how um, sometimes it seems that nothing will go right, but you can still find strength to go on and, and, and make it work. And War and the Shadow King is about uh, hope. It's about how in the darkest of times, uh, hope can set you free. 
and uh, there's a, the villain of uh, the, the villain. One of the villains of the story just says that um, he who controls hope controls the world, and it's a little bit like that actually. Hope is means a lot, and Laura is hope, and so that's that's uh, what Laura is about. I'm also I'm also going to launch in in three months. Um, a new novel, which are, is already written and it's in the editing stage, called Insight, which is a, a standalone psychological thriller. Uh, it seems uh, classical horror, but it's not. It's very different. And that also is about family and love and how how sometimes it seems that love make will make you crazy, but it can also make you very, very sane, very lucid. And uh, and so each novel has something to say, and I and to make it good, I really need to know what it is before I I, I finish it. I yeah, I definitely get that, and all of that emotion is coming through, and so I'm kind of getting chill bumps as you're talking about Laura and <laughs> oh, Hope, and well. that's that's a great <laughs> message for the past couple of years and going into our new year as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think so too. And and it's something that I've been uh, I've been through um, many ups and downs in my life. Um, I'm 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 turning I turned fifty last year, and uh, I can look back and and uh, and see that a few years ago I was in a really really low point, and. Um, and only when this clicked in my head, this idea that hope was so important and hope just um, gets you going, um, that that uh, I think I think I was now ready to 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 write about it. That's really neat. That uh, and do you think writing pulled you into having more hope as well? Uh, I think so. I think so. Let me put it this way. Writing over the years, the writing has become actually, actually, I think it became very quickly um, uh, as important to me as breathing or eating or sleeping. It's just part of who I am. So um, some people ask me why do you write? I, I, it's it's very sometimes it's difficult to to answer these kinds of questions because it's so intrinsic to what I am. You know, I think it's at some points of my life writing was all I got. Uh, it's and that is something that the, the that um, they cannot take from you. It just you can write in your head if you don't have anything else. Uh, and uh, and. Um, so I could, I think I can say yes. <laughs> Sometimes it brings me hope, but uh, but it brings me a lot of things. It's just a part of me. I, I cannot really distinguish and then define exactly what it brings me. Yeah, it, it brings me. Uh, it brings me. Maybe it brings me uh, um, sustainability. Maybe it brings me uh, something to uh, um, to rest on. You know, to something to that that supports me from from uh, below. That's really neat. Well, I so appreciate you being here with me today, Bruno. Uh, thank you so much, Patricia. Can you tell people where to find you and your books? 
Sure, you you can you can always go to to my website, which is Bruno Okay, it's my name altogether.com. And uh, there you have the links to, to Amazon for and to to uh, if you're in Portugal, you have links to to the to the the, the bookstores and and the, the publishers I work with in Portugal because I work with traditional publishing in Portugal, even though uh, I work with in with self publishing in 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 Amazon um, internationally. Uh, and you can go to Amazon, your Amazon uh, local site, and and uh, and find it. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to diving into your Laura series, and good, I hope good, you have good, a good. wonderful evening. You too, Tricia. Very. Bye. Nice. Thanks very much. Bye bye. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author, and podcaster Tricia Copeland and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.